And there's always going to be something that brings you to your knees and makes you want to quit. It's essentially inevitable at some point. But that is what separates those that do and those that don't. And your interpretation of hard will make you feel so shitty at times and make you want to quit. But that is exactly what hard is supposed to feel like. Welcome to The Waiting Game Podcast, a podcast where I attempt to bring more dialogue into the world of Olympic weightlifting and share my experiences and perspectives in the sport and resistance training in general. It was a perspective I wish was more accessible during my early years of training, so here is my attempt to bring that value to those who may be seeking it. And welcome to another episode of The Waiting Game Podcast. I'm Brandon Wakeling, Olympian and multiple-time representative at the Commonwealth Games. And in this episode, I wanted to talk about weightlifting in a sense that we're starting to get into the competitive season for us weightlifters, I know for Australia specifically. We may have the qualification period starting to come to an end, whether that's for your state championships or your national championships. And for those that have aspirations out there to level up in terms of weightlifting, whether that's making the state level or perhaps making the national level, or maybe you want to go all the way and wear your country's colours on the big stage one day. And with all these ambitious goals that we all have in the space of weightlifting, you hear a lot of people talk about how hard weightlifting is. And we all go through our peaks and valleys. You have your good days, you have your great days, which makes it all feel like it's worth it. And in contrast, we also have those bad days, And then those days where we wonder why we even bothered doing this in the first place. And with these days, with the likes of social media, where they glamorize the great days and really paint a picture of a straight and narrow path to success, for your inexperience and perhaps beginner lifters, you are hit with a wall of difficulty once you start pursuing this path, which is in fact the reality in which we live. And with all these walls and barriers that we hit with throughout this journey, it creates a series of valleys, as I spoke about earlier, where we wonder what the point even is of doing weightlifting, and if it's even worth pursuing to reach those goals that we had initially set out as, no one signed up for all the bullshit involved in weightlifting, we just wanted to go this way and achieve the goal. Just putting more weight on the bar every week, hitting those levels, and simply just working on a linear path all the way to this success that we had envisioned us getting to in future. And personally, throughout my weightlifting journey, I've been hit with these walls over and over and over again, which had at times momentarily mentally defeated me and pushed me to the brink of wanting to retire multiple times now over the years. It's these moments in particular that define the word hard for me when people say all the time that weightlifting is hard. Hard is inevitable. Hard is shitty. And upon experiencing these valleys, it's a good reminder to yourself to think that when going through these valleys, this is exactly what hard is meant to feel like. And this is the point where generally people either don't bother anymore once they've hit these valleys or they persevere. And for this episode, I'll illustrate a scenario or one specific angle in which I had been tested in such a way in weightlifting to where it pushed me to the brink in this sense. But 
I also found my way through it in the end. Now, this scenario that I'm going to lay out essentially has to do with pretty much all of 2019, which was one of my Olympic qualification years in which I competed in five different international events in five different countries, starting with the Arafura Games, which was held in Darwin in May. And for the first five months of the year leading into this competition, plus the competition itself, I essentially had a squeaky clean run, so I didn't have any issues with my training. I peaked appropriately, I PB'd my total, I was the first male in the country to hit A grade under our new grading system that we had in the country, and I had hit a total in which qualified me for all the rest of the Olympic qualification events throughout the year. So I was on a high, as you could imagine. Although heading into this competition, Roughly a month prior, I was back squatting one day in training, and at the bottom of one of my repetitions, I felt a little flicker in my left hip at the bottom of the rep. Didn't think of anything of it at the time, it didn't hurt, it just felt odd. And the next day, it felt like I just had a bruise in my hip, so still didn't think anything of it. I continued with my training leading up to this competition, but this bruise didn't necessarily go away, but it actually increased in discomfort and pain all the way up until the event where coming into my competition taper week for example any time that I squatted caught a power clean power snatch at the bottom of my jerk dip I started to have a sharp pain in my hip that was getting worse and worse leading into this event plus also sleeping at night I couldn't lay on that specific side as I would feel the sharp pain in my hip and the pain would begin to run down my ITB somewhat. For the competition day itself, in an effort to distract myself from the pain, I bought a really strong heat patch in which I placed on my hip before the competition that would then heat up enough to cause obviously discomfort from the heat in order to distract me somewhat from that pain that I was feeling during my lifting. And it obviously worked, I PB'd my total, and I had no dramas in the competition whatsoever. Now coming out of this competition in Darwin, I then had 10 weeks until my next Olympic qualification event, which was the Pacific Games in Samoa. And it was a big deal because this specific event was worth more points for the Olympic qualification criteria, which I won't touch on now, but this event had more weighting than the other events, so it was a big deal for me. So leading into this competition, the very first week finishing up at the Arifura Games, I went to the doctors, got an MRI, and then I received a cortisone injection in my hip to treat trochanteric bursitis, which was the site in which I had all the pain. So essentially what it is, as there's a bursa sac that's in between the hip bone and the ITB, and when the bursas inflame, essentially it rubs together and causes that pain not only in the hip, but can radiate down the side of your leg also. I had the cortisone injection and it worked wonders. It ended up fixing all of my hip pain and I ended up having, for the most part, a very successful training block. For the most part, that is. For the closing few weeks of this training cycle, the pain had come back again a little bit worse than last time. So the cortisone had completely worn off and I had to rely on painkillers, any inflammatory tablets, and heat gel to apply to my hip for every training session in order to be able to lift what I needed to lift. And this was where I was starting to get quite worried about the injury, as the cortisone had all worn off, the pain had come back slightly worse, 
and you can't exactly just go back and get cortisone after cortisone injection. So fast forward to this event, I ended up winning the event, P being my total again, beating what I did at the Arafura Games, and coming out of this event, I was in a good standing in terms of where I was ranking within Oceana to make the Olympics, in which I had to be the best in all of Oceana to make it. But coming out of the competition, my hip pain was at its worst, so I received a second cortisone injection straight out of this competition, and it did absolutely nothing. This started to really worry me, as I needed to continue this trajectory leading into the other several qualification events in order to hold my top spot. So post-Pacific Games, I then competed at the World Championships, which was two months post this event, in which I competed significantly worse than the other two competitions I'd previously done this year, and I was struggling to even train at all at this point, as the hip pain that I was getting was getting way worse, I was favouring my other leg, and I was having radiating pain all the way down past my knee at this point. And because of all this, at around the World Championships time of the event, my strength had depleted that much that before the Samoan event, I was able to clean and jerk 170 plus also front squat it for a set of seven. At the World Championships, however, I was lucky to get one rep out at 170 kilos, so my strength had depleted a significant amount. And post this World Championships event where I had done worse, I had still held on to my lead in terms of the Oceana rankings, but I was at such a low point here because I personally felt like I was depleting at the same time that everyone was building in terms of trying to qualify for the team and I was not sure where to turn at this point. I essentially thought that my Olympic hopes were beginning to dwindle a bit here and this is where I sat back post this competition and had to be a little more strategic. I knew that I was struggling physically and mentally at this point but I knew the rule book very well when it comes to how to qualify for the Olympic Games. And I knew that the point system in which you had to have the highest number of points accrued throughout the qualification process in order to qualify, the points were universal across all weight classes in which you only had to compete in one specific category twice in order to be eligible for that category. So obviously I had competed twice as a 73 kilogram lifter Despite still having to fulfill more competitions, I noticed that the top 81's points were lower than mine, but the two top 67 kilogram lifters' points were higher than mine, so I thought as my lifting was not going as planned due to being injured, that I wanted to double my chances to be able to make the Olympics, and also buy insurance in case one of the 67 lifters decided to come up and lift twice in 73 kilogram category. So what I did was map out two future competitions in which I was going to compete at 81 kilos in which I didn't need to post any totals. All I needed to do was weigh in and then pull out once the competition had started and then that essentially counts as competing in that weight category. And there was only two possible competitions in which I could compete at 81. One of them was only a month after this event in San Diego in which you had to self-fund to go. I, at this time, not even being able to train or in any form to compete, decided to pay my way and fly over to San Diego for the San Diego Open, I believe it was, in which I simply weighed in at 81 kilos, then went back home to Australia. So essentially flew across the world purely just to weigh in and then come home. And that counted as a competition. 
So essentially very expensive insurance and a potential doubling of my odds to make the Olympics. But you can see where my headspace was at. I was all in on trying to make the Olympics as I could imagine anyone else would be in this situation. Post this San Diego event, I come back home and I needed to get into training straight away in order to post another total at 73. So this was a competition in which I had to post a total. I simply couldn't weigh in. And the event was in Qatar on Christmas. And this was the worst training cycle I've ever done in my career of weightlifting so far. Every rep had me in extreme pain. I'd ended up snatching 15 kilos less, plus also clean and jerking 15 kilos less than I had done at the start of the year. And as I said, every single rep I did in training hurt. And as much as I wanted to rest and recover from this injury, I simply couldn't if I wanted to make the Olympics. There were set events in which I had to compete and post totals in order to get points. So this is why the pain had gotten so out of hand and bad because I had to compete so many times with smaller time frames, essentially no time off throughout this whole year as I had to just continuously compete and my hip was not in the greatest state coming out of this competition. And with the competition itself, I actually almost bombed out in the snatch, just getting my last snatch at 114, I believe. So it was the lightest snatch that I posted in competition since two and a half years before this event. And mentally after this event, I did not even want to look at a barbell. So I didn't train for two weeks after this event. I essentially took the holiday period off as I was not in a mental or physical state where I could build up in training to lift anything significant. And I thought the best thing for me was just to have some time off with friends and family over the holiday period, and perhaps I'd be better off because of it. And the funny thing was, after these two weeks, my hip was 100% better, out of nowhere. No other cortisone injections, no other remedies of any sort. Essentially having the two weeks off, coming back into training, it was like my hip was never injured. And post this event... I ended up building over a six-month period to my best total to date, which was a huge high for me, as you could imagine. And I ended up being the first male in the country to reach the elite grade status within this new qualification system that I mentioned earlier. Although within this competition where I'd hit my best total to date, during my clean and jerk warm-up, on my second last clean and jerk warm-up at 150, once I had caught the clean, I actually felt that same flicker but in the opposite hip than last time, and I knew straight away what was going on. And this pain happened all over again for 10 months, but with the opposite hip, not to mention the year after that, after getting over this pain once again, I almost lost my finger going into the Olympic Games in which I had to recover from that also. So that one year wasn't my only year of adversity. This had been a continuous process getting into the Olympic Games. Now, throughout this process, I can say how unfortunate or unlucky I was in these certain situations in which I had gone through such turmoil and gone through such highs and through such lows in order to make the Olympics. Purely looking through the scope of injuries, there's certainly been other avenues that have definitely tested me physically and mentally, but as much as I can say that I was purely unlucky, that's just the reality that we live in. What I've noticed over the years is that no one gets a squeaky clean run. It's just simply not how it works in reality and everyone's interpretation of hard is different and there's always going to be something that brings you to your knees and makes you want to quit it's essentially inevitable at some point but that is what separates those that do 
and those that don't. And your interpretation of hard will make you feel so shitty at times and make you want to quit, but that is exactly what hard is supposed to feel like. So when people say that weightlifting is hard, I feel like people use the word hard as just a cute word just to throw out there whenever they have a minor inconvenience in weightlifting. Whether that's missing the off snatch or clean and jerk or maybe they missed one lift at a competition, I feel like there's a lot more depth to that in which hard certainly has layers to it. And I know with me, when it comes to my interpretation of hard, it's definitely been through those valleys which I then persevered in order to get to the goal that I had set out. And on that note, as much as I can continue on that story or talk about several other things that I'd gone through in weightlifting that I would deem as hard, I think I've gotten my point across here. And on that note, I'll see you all in a week time again for another fresh episode. See you then.